Well, good morning, and boy, is it an icy, slippery morning here in central Ohio. January the 25th, the Monday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast, the we being you and me. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to have you along. We have a Super Bowl matchup. We have a new Ohio State tradition, and I love it. And we have a faith lesson about a place you've heard a lot about, but maybe don't really know about. So looking forward to all that. Glad to have you with us today. It is hard for me to talk about the Super Bowl matchup of the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers without ruining the fact that the Cleveland Browns are not opposite Tom Brady in search of his seventh Super Bowl. This feels to me like the 1997 Major League Baseball season when my Cleveland Indians had a 3-1 lead over the Boston Red Sox, the hated Boston Red Sox of Dustin Pedroia and Jonathan Papelbon and Johnny Damon and David Ortiz and a lot of other guys whose very sight, Kevin Euclid, drove me crazy. And we're up 3-1. And we have CC Sabathia, 20-game winner, and Fausto Carmona. Remember Fausto Carmona? Yes. Also a 20-game winner. Locked and loaded game five at home. Game six at Fenway. Game seven at Fenway. And due to the managerial and motivational ineptitude of Eric Wedge, the Indians proceeded to lose three in a row to the Boston Red Sox and blew the opportunity to play the awful Colorado Rockies. Sorry, cousins who live in Denver. The awful Colorado Rockies in the World Series. And, of course, Boston won and broke the curse of the Bambino and extended the curse of, the, uh, of uh, Rocky Calavito. And here we are now, 24 years later, with the Cleveland Browns against the Kansas City Chiefs and the ball down five with eight minutes to go. I know I covered all this last week. I'm just saying I can't get to the Chiefs and the Bucks without the fact that every minute of this Super Bowl, I will believe that that should be the Cleveland Browns out there because we got the break of all breaks with not only Clyde Edwards-Elaire being out for the game, but with Patrick Mahomes in concussion protocol. And... We could not score. We could not get two first downs. And we punted the ball away, and we never got it back. So, now I've purged myself of that for the second straight Monday. Let's move on to the Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I will admit, although this could get me excommunicated from Central Ohio, that I was rooting for Tom Brady yesterday. Yes, Michigan's Tom Brady. I know he's Michigan's Tom Brady. Some of you will never see him without the wing helmet on. But I think... We are fortunate to live in an era of the greatest NFL player of all time. Sorry, Jim Brown, but I cannot equate you as the greatest NFL player of all time when Tom Brady has now led his teams to the Super Bowl 10 times, 10 times. That's crazy. And because he yesterday answered the question that has befuddled mankind for decades, now we know it's Brady. Remember, is it Brady or is it Belichick? We can't tell because they're simpatico in New England and they're winning a half a dozen Super Bowls. Is it Brady or is it Belichick? Well, it's Brady. Yes, in his first year in Tampa with Bruce Arians and a lot of talent around him. In fact, wide receiving talent, the likes of which he rarely had in New England. I know he had Randa Moss for a while, but Troy Brown... 
and other guys that he threw to, not like Mike Evans and the array of receivers that he has in Tampa. And I just love watching greatness. I wished I could have lived during the era of Babe Ruth. I wished I could have lived during the era of Bobby Jones. I wished I could have lived during the era of George Mikan, just so I'd have an idea. How great are they? No, I don't want to not live during this era. But we get to see Tom Brady do what Tom Brady does. And you say, well, Bruce, he threw three interceptions. Okay, okay. Let's go through the interceptions, shall we? Two of them were, here comes a blitz. We can't take a sack. I'm going to throw it deep and hope that Mike Evans goes up and makes a play. And Mike Evans did not go up and make a play. Now, that's just like making an omelet. you got to break some eggs. You're going to make plays down the field. You throw it up for your high point the ball receiver. Occasionally, he's not going to get the ball. Okay. So that takes two of them. The third one, the first one, actually. The first one, but the third one I'm talking about, was not a good throw. was not a good throw. And Brady had other throws that he did not throw well. He overthrew Chris Godwin. He certainly could have been sharper. But, but, Tom Brady's in the Super Bowl. And may I dare hearken back to the Kansas City Chiefs-Cleveland Browns game where you would say, well, Baker Mayfield's stats are better than Tom Brady's. You know why they're not better than Tom Brady's? Because Baker's 0-1 in the game. And Brady's 1-0 in the game, okay? That's why he's not better than Tom Brady. Tom Brady and the Bucks got the win, and they have a defense that I have hope, because I'm not rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs, I have hope they can slow down Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I mean, that's not much to stand on as a hope, but the, can- but the Tampa Bay Bucks, they got a nice pass rush. They have a couple corners who are playing well. They got to get their safeties back. They got to get Antoine Winfield Jr. back for the Super Bowl. They have two weeks, so I think they will have those guys back. And they force turnovers. They hit people. Now, you know, covering Tyree Kill downfield is a little bit different. Covering Travis Kelsey downfield is a little bit different. But I hope Brady wins the Super Bowl. Yes, go ahead. Take away my Buckeye card. I'm rooting for the Michigan man. That is the fact. You will just have to deal with it. All right. Business owners, you've had to deal with a lot. Oh, I can't even imagine. Governor DeWine is out to get you. Uh, If you're a Columbus business owner, the mayor of Columbus, seemingly, I should have said seemingly, on to Governor DeWine, seemingly is out to get you. They're not helping. They're not helping your business. No, they're hurting your business. All the lockdowns and curfews and stay-at-home orders and things like that, however well-intentioned, and we don't need to get into the debate of effectiveness, necessity, and all that, It is indisputable they have crushed Ohio business. I was talking to John Barker, Ohio Restaurant Association, two weeks ago on my show on 98.9 The Answer. John Barker told me since the pandemic began, 3,000 restaurants in the state of Ohio have closed. 3,000. Yikes. Ruby Tuesdays, done. All buffet restaurants, done. Lots of crab, Joe's Crab Shack, gonzo, okay? So a lot of businesses, and those are just the chains that I mentioned have gone under. So I know, business owners, if you've turned the page from 2020 to 2021, man, take a victory lap. Celebrate that. you got to get back to work. you got a ton of stuff going on. And you'd love to have somebody who could help you take some work off your plate so you could just figure out how to manage. The hardest thing to know is what to do with compliance issues from the state. You've got some employees who are 
COVID bros and afraid of COVID, and you got others who are like, I've had it, I got the antibodies, that's me. It was no big deal, let's go. So how do you manage keeping those two factions together and without ending up in a jackpot of an employee lawsuit? Well, you enlist the help of AUIinfo.com. Chrissy and the AUI team offer free HR expertise. Notice I didn't say assistance because it's expertise with Julie, their HR expert. And it's free to you. Everything AUI does for your business is free. It is the one case I can think of in my life where you do not get what you pay for because you're not paying anything. Oh, don't worry. AUI is not in business to, you know, not get paid. They get paid. They get paid by the insurance companies and the companies that they put you with. And they don't have like, oh, we got to put you with that. No, we got to put you with Blue Cross. No, they have access. Everybody in the insurance game wants to do business with AUI because if you come to them with five employees, that insurance company's like, hey, if you'll hook us up with somebody who can, you know, give us five more accounts, great, we'll pay AUI. You don't have to pay. In fact, you may not know this, but even as an individual, the cost of a health insurance consultant is baked into the cost of Obamacare at healthcare.gov. So AUI Info service is available to you as an individual, but it's particularly right now because we're not in open enrollment. Business owners can switch their benefits anytime, but it's a hassle. you got to look at all the different options and everything, and AUI looks at those options and can tell you, here's what you get, here's what you get, here's what you get. You, you got a hardware store and you got four guys working there over 60, probably don't need maternity benefits, right? So that's what AUI does. They tell you where the plans are strong, where the hospitals are in your area that you want to be in. You want to be at Riverside Methodist. If you're in Gahanna and the only hospital in your plan is Riverside Methodist in Dublin, well, that's probably not what you want. So AUIinfo.com does all that for you. And they're waiting right now. They're literally right now waiting their chat feature at auiinfo.com, or you can call them, or you can Zoom them. That's a verb now, or whatever you want. auiinfo.com. Love Chrissy and Steve and Julie and the AUI team. All right, AFC title game. I know the Buffalo Bills are taking a lot of heat for kicking too many field goals. Ah, there were all kinds of jokes. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, the Buffalo Bills only need six more field goals to win the game. Okay, funny. I get it. Twitter, you're a riot. I don't have a problem with the Bills kick. I don't have a huge problem with the Bills kicking a field goal on their first possession of the game. You want to get on the board. You don't want to drive down the field and get nothing. Conventional wisdom. I think it would have been a bold move by Sean McDermott to go for it there, and it's super high risk, super high reward. You don't get it. It's nothing. The crowd's into it, which, you know, the crowd was really into it anyway, but you don't want to give them a reason to get inflamed. But I get the first field goal. I probably would have gone for it there. Trust Josh Allen to go back to pass and run around and get the first down if he doesn't have anybody open. The only field goal that they took that was not smart was third quarter down two scores, fourth and fourth and goal at the two, and they kick it. And they're still down two scores. Dumb. Oh, we'll get to dumb field goals in a moment. Okay, but... <clears throat> Let me say this. So there's all kinds of analytics out there about, oh, the Bills, you know, if they'd have done this and this and this, they're analytics. I'm not anti-analytics. But analytics are starting to feel to me like what the author of the book, How to Lie with Statistics, had in mind when he wrote his book. Because if you want to tell me the Buffalo Bills had X more percent win probability, which if they go for the touchdown on the first series— they had a 3.6% better win probability. Okay, great. Yes, of course. How about that revelation? 
if you score a touchdown, four more points, presumably with a PAT, than a field goal, you have a better chance of winning. Imagine, you have more points on the board, more than twice as many as you get from a field goal, and your win chance goes up. Wow. Thank you, Einstein. All right. I'd buy into going for it there to the degree that all the analytics pocket protector people are advocating. If only after Matt LaFleur, Packers head coach, opted to kick a field goal down eight with like two minutes and a few seconds on the clock, what was the yard line on that? Was it like a six or something? Or the, maybe it was the 12, I don't know. But he kicks a field goal to go from down eight to down five, thinking he's going to get the ball back, and Aaron Rodgers is going to lead him to a touchdown to win the game because, you know, you're down five. A field goal is not going to help you on a final possession. So I, and this is celebrated. I saw one, you know, uh, nonconformist posting. Actually, Matt LaFleur gave the Packers a better win probability by kicking the field goal. No. No and no. That's why I can't get into the analytics boat all the way. Because there's no chance that you're going to, with three timeouts and a two-minute warning, get the ball back, barring a fumble or an interception by the Buccaneers, Get the ball back and drive down and score a touchdown. You're already in the shadow of the goal line. You have Aaron Rodgers, who Chris Spielman, formerly of Spielman and Hooley podcast, now you may have heard, Detroit Lions team executive. Chris Spielman has said Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in NFL history. I don't know if I'd go that far, but he'd be worth debating in that role. What in the world is Matt LaFleur doing? He's giving the game away. That's what he's doing. Sorry, cheeseheads. Now, you say, well, what if they don't get it? Okay, what if they don't? Then the Bucks are on, you know, deep in Packer territory. And if they punch, you're going to get the ball back at the 35, maybe the 40. And then you'll have just a few seconds. And what do we know about Aaron Rodgers from midfield? We know he can throw the ball all the way to the goal line and complete a Hail Mary. I believe he's done it, what, twice in the last... Five years? I remember he did it against my Cardinals. So that was dumb by Matt LaFleur. And Aaron Rodgers was not happy about it. He said he had no no input on it. <laughs> of course he didn't. Rodgers, has got, every quarterback is going to say, let's go. So I did not understand that move at all. Most of the football-watching public did not understand that move at all. And Matt LaFleur, who drafted Jordan Love last year as a successor to Aaron Rodgers, with four years left on Rodgers' contract, huh? What would the Packers have done if they had just got Aaron Rodgers some help? And Aaron Rodgers, not blameless. He had a free play in that game. I believe it was third quarter. And on every other play in the game, he's looking first and foremost for number 17, Devontae Adams. And for some odd reason on that play, the Tampa corner quit on the play when Indomitian Sue jumped offside. And Devontae Adams is lonely as lonely can be out there. He's the loneliest man in Lambeau Field. There literally, in the era of social distancing, was no one in Lambeau Field. 
with more social distance between himself and anyone else than Devontae Adams. And Aaron Rodgers never looked. And he cost the Packers a touchdown and may have cost them the game, which is good because I was for Tom Brady. So that is my take on the NFC Championship game. What about the Super Bowl? Well, I ain't betting against Tom Brady. I know it makes no sense. It's hard to win two Super Bowls in a row, all this kind of stuff. More analysis on the Super Bowl in coming podcasts. But we got to get to the new Ohio State athletic tradition. And this, to me, is just the greatest tradition Ohio State has ever birthed. It's better than Hang on Sloopy. It's better than Script Ohio. It's better than Gold Pants. It's better than all that. I know you're uh, now, now I've really offended you. And you say, what in the world are you talking about? Well, you'll have to wait. Because first I have to tell you about my friends at Willis Spangler Starling, the attorney firm for you to familiarize yourself with. Before you need an attorney, you don't want to be looking for an attorney when you need an attorney because then what do you do? You go to the yellow pages and here's the secret. In the yellow pages, oh, does anybody go to the yellow pages anymore? No, they go online. Okay, well, whatever. The guys who are the TV lawyers and the uh, I'll make them pay, you know, no, you know, I'm not, uh, there's a guy who has that phrase and I'm not talking about him because he's not a central Ohio guy. But anyway, you know, there are attorneys who specialize in, promising you they're not going to charge you anything and they're going to make the other guy just, you know, put him in a debtor's prison. You don't want to tie your integrity to attorneys whose integrity, when you watch the commercial, you go, I don't know, man, if I'm comfortable with that. You want a good, solid attorney firm that is awesome at what they do, varied in their experience, motivated by their desire to serve you. That's Willis Spangler Starling. They're my attorney firm. They're the official t- attorney firm of the Bruce Hooley Show on 98.9 The Answer. I've known the partners for years, and they're awesome people. And it's a big enough firm that they really have expertise in probate, wills estate planning, personal injury, workers' compensation, employment law, on and on and on and on. Whenever I have a contract, I don't make a move. I don't sign it. I don't even pick up a pen until I call Willis Spangler Starling and have them look at it. So Willis Spangler Starling is the law firm. You need to, like, plant that seed in your head. Ah, if I ever need one, Willis Spangler Starling. And they understand every lawsuit that you're involved in is your Super Bowl. They never have a routine case. Every case, they prioritize it. Willis Spangler Starling is on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard, and their website is willisattorneys.com. All right, now, what could I possibly mean by a better Ohio State athletic tradition? And I'm being facetious. It's better than script Ohio. This is a band formation. Sorry, I'll take a result over a band formation. Is it better than Hang On Sloopy? Yeah, because that was a one-hit wonder rock song. It's a nice song, but who names their kid Sloopy? Better than Gold Pants? I can't go there because that's a win over Michigan, and that's just, you know, that's blasphemy to say anything's better than a win over Michigan. But how about the basketball Buckeyes beating a top 15 team on the road for a third straight Saturday? Yes, by 12 over Bucky the Badger. Saturday at the Kohl Center, which has been a house of horrors for Ohio State over the years. Greg Oden and Mike Conley could not win at the Kohl Center. Jared Sullinger, John Diebler, William Buford could not win at the Kohl Center. And I know there weren't 18,000 screaming Wisconsinites in the house on Saturday. But nevertheless, the Buckeyes never trailed. Not for a second. A week after at Illinois, rarely, I think, trailed twice 
at Illinois and never after the 15-minute mark of the first half. And the same the week before at Rutgers, which at the time was ranked 15th. They led Rutgers by 18 in the first half. They led Illinois by, I think it was 15 in the first half. Both those situations were hang on by the hair of your chinny-chin-chin. The Wisconsin game got there eh, briefly, but Ohio State never had as big a lead against the Badgers as they had against the 15th-ranked Scarlet Knights or the 14th-ranked Illini. No, they had a 13-point lead for like an eye blink. They had an 11-point lead for a little tiny bit. But mostly the lead was, you know, 6 to 10, somewhere in there. And on a day where Dwayne Washington shoots one of nine, that's pretty impressive to hold Wisconsin in check. Never closer than four. Kyle Young bumps it out to seven with a three-point play after Wisconsin got it to four late. And then the kid, Aleem Ford from Wisconsin, who momentarily, like, channeled his inner Jimmy Chitwood, hitting three threes in a span of about a minute and a half. Ohio State came down and missed after his third three, but then he got a fourth three, and his luck finally ran out. Ohio State got the rebound, and that was all she wrote as Ohio State got a bucket in the lane from C.J. Walker. They got free throws, eight for eight down the stretch. What do I always tell you about the Scarlet and gray, and in Saturday's case, black, because the uniforms. I, I literally turned the game on. And I'm like, wait a second. Like, I thought Ohio State was playing. I thought Ohio State and Wisconsin were playing. And in my mind, my, my brain's going, well, that's Wisconsin. But who are they playing? Ohio State wearing all black University of Nike uniforms, which, you know, I'm on the record. I don't like the departure from tradition. If you're going to wear something other than white or scarlet, wear gray. But the kids loved them. Seth Towns, after the game, said they have superpowers. Well, as long as Seth Towns scores 10 points off the bench, I'm not going to tell him any different. So Ohio State with another great win. And Chris Holtman said they bounced back mentally from the loss to Purdue, which this is the aggravating part. Ohio State is 6-4 and four in the Big Ten now. And they gave away the Northwestern game on the road, and they gave away the Purdue game at home. And if they had those two wins, it'd be 8-2. and two, And they'd be right up there with Luca Garza and the eminently dislikable Fran McCaffrey. But instead, you're 6-4. and four. You've got solid NCAA tournament resume. Win at Notre Dame. Win over UCLA on a neutral court. Wins against three top 15 teams on the road in the Big Ten. The formula for getting to the NCAA tournament in a non-pandemic year is always go eh, nine and one, eight and two in the non-conference. Go five hundred in the Big Ten. You get into the conference tournament every single time. So they're going to get in. They have a special new to the schedule game Wednesday against Penn State, seven o'clock, because their earlier game against Penn State was canceled by COVID. That was a Penn State cootie issue. Now, Penn State was supposed to play Michigan. Michigan has shut down its athletic program because of, guess what, COVID. So the Nittany Lions are coming in here Wednesday, 7 o'clock, to play Ohio State, and then Sunday Ohio State will play Michigan State. So kudos to the Buckeyes on that win. And again, I always say, no matter who's injured, C.J. Walker, Jimmy Sotos, no matter who is 
not playing well. In Saturday's instance, it was Dwayne Washington, Ohio State. As long as Chris Holtman is over on the bench, drawing up the X's and O's, pushing the buttons, giving his guys whatever they seem to need. And he gave them the day off after Purdue, which you'd think, ah, what would Bob Knight have done after? Oh, well, you know what Bob Knight would have done after a loss to Purdue. Google that. Although, not while children are present. Uh, Yes. Um, But Holtman gave them the day off. And then they came in on Friday, ready to go to work. Most coaches would have been, well, I can't give them a day off. I mean, we got Wisconsin. We're going to go up there with one-day prep. Are you crazy? Mentally, they were fresh Saturday, and they were good to go. And, of course, they had the black jersey superpowers. Okay. Finally, before we get to the faith portion of the podcast, keep those orders coming to HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. They are doing great work around the world. We're in a time where I think we all prize helping others or should. Paul, Grace, Andy, and the Hemisphere Coffee Roasters team years ago discovered that if they plug money into local economies in Nicaragua, Indonesia, Thailand, and other foreign countries— That money tends to circulate throughout the economy, and it lifts everyone. They call it business and ministry. They call it BAM. So they go in. They find a grower. They test the coffee. They don't just—you can't just grow any old, you know, coffee in these countries and pass the hemisphere coffee quality test. They are exacting in their standards, and that's why everybody loves their coffee. Spiel's a coffee lover. He has to be a paying customer now that he's no longer on the podcast, but he is. And many of you have been as well. Please tell them you heard about it on the We Tackle Life podcast. I'll send you often a nice handwritten note of thanks for listening. I'm very, very, very fortunate and blessed to have this relationship with HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. You can get it whole bean, roast, K-cups, however you want it. So many flavors that I'd run out of time on the podcast if I went into all of them. But House Blend and Hunter's Blend get big thumbs up from Spielman and Hooley listeners. They have flavored coffees and um, the... uh, Java Blues, I think, is the morning coffee. So anyway, breakfast blend as well. So hit them up, HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com, and we'll soon have a special uh, discount offer on the Bruce Hooley Show on 98.9 The Answer. But you say, wait a minute, don't don't you still give 15% off if I use the promo code in all caps, We Tackle Life? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Use the promo code, We Tackle Life, in all caps, and you will get 15% off. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. All right. Now, i got to find the label that says this is the faith portion of the podcast. We do a faith portion. I do a faith portion of the podcast because many of you respond to it uh, favorably because that is how Chris and I started this podcast, and our pledge was that we just drop in snippets of our faith and the application of our faith at the end of the podcast in the hope that uh, our overriding call in life is to be great husbands and be great fathers. And if we are not doing that, then we're failing in our missions to our families and to our communities. So that's why we do the We Tackle Life faith portion of the podcast. So I thought today, as I told you uh, weeks ago, I thought in this new age in America with a new administration and trying to figure out you know, how... Uh, I proceed as a Christian. Uh, I found it instructive to read the book of Acts. The book of Acts is written by Luke, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke. And it is a record of the growth of the early church in the aftermath of Jesus' crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. The church was persecuted. The people who put Jesus to death 
wanted the church to go away. They thought if they killed Jesus, it would go away. Guess what? It hasn't gone away. Here I am, 2,021 years later, talking about the faith that millions and billions, maybe billions of people in the world have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they didn't kill it off. Okay. Took some boldness on the part of the surviving proponents of the faith for this faith to grow in the midst of that persecution. So, been doing my reading and drawing a lot of great lessons and inspiration from the book of Acts, and I would encourage you to do that. In the course of that, Paul, who was a persecutor of the church, and the disciples occasionally had to say some very tough things to people who would not heed the message about the way to be right with God, accept the gift of salvation, and put your faith in Jesus, not in your own works. And that is the hardest thing for people to understand, and a lot of times you'll get questions about, why would a good God send people to hell? And I thought about hell, and I thought about Satan, and I thought about what do we know of that, and basically what generally we know of that. This is not what the Bible says about it, but the general population. I had an interchange with a listener on social media who took me to task for saying what Peter said in Acts 4.12, that there's no other name um, by which you can be saved other than Jesus. That's the way. It's a one way. I am the way, the truth, the life. One way. And he's like, what about all these other world religions and la, 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 and how do you know what, you know, so he's on me about this, okay? And I just said, look, I just hope that you investigate the things that I refer to in the Bible, and you got to come to this decision on your own. Like, my kid's faith can't be my faith. they got to make a personal decision. Everybody has to make a personal decision in their life, who was Jesus? Is he the Son of God, Savior of the world, the person I'm putting my faith in because his credentials are good enough, mine are not? Or is he just whatever else other people think? Oh, some people think, oh, he's a prophet, he's a good guy. Some people think, oh, he's a myth, he didn't exist. But that's the decision that determines your eternal destiny, is what you decide to do personally with Jesus. And everybody has to make that decision. That's the decision you will be held accountable for at the end of time. <clears throat> so those who say no to it, whether it's um, militantly, whether it's by laziness, never really get around to figuring it out, never really think about it, no matter how you come to the decision, no, I'm not claiming Jesus' perfect life and salvation for myself. The Bible says the outcome of that is hell. So what do we know of hell? Well, we have many images of Satan, little red-suited guy with horns and a pitchfork, uh, evil twin sitting on your shoulder. What do we know about hell? So I said to this guy on social media, I said, Aren't you afraid that you'll end up in hell? No, you know, because I think a lot of people think that hell is just kind of this eternal detention <laughs> or eternal timeout. And I've heard people say, ah, okay, I'll be there with a bunch of other sinners and we'll, you know, whatever. We'll, we'll make the best of it. I really think that I don't do the brimstone stuff hardly ever. I don't think we've ever done the brimstone stuff, but here's the deal. I'm just going to try to give you a very logical version of hell in the hope that 
you will be driven to investigate who Jesus was and make that monumental decision for yourself. Okay, so the best way that I can do this is I don't know the characteristics there, but here's what I do have 100% certainty of. There's God, there's good, there's evil. There's God, there's Satan, okay? This is, if you want to read more about this choice, read Tom Ryan, the wrestling coach at Ohio State's book, Chosen Suffering. Tom lost his son, Teague, five years old, to a heart attack at their kitchen table. Imagine that, a five-year-old having a heart attack. Tom was someone raised in a church, but he was not locked in. He was not really living life as he should have. This death of Teague... And the question his kids gave him, where's Teague? When he came home from the hospital, where's Teague? Tom was like, I couldn't answer it. I didn't know where Teague was. He went to find out, you know, like, what, what's real? And he came to the decision. He said, finally, I had to decide. Either there's a God and everything is by divine design or there's a, it's pure chance. He decided there's definitely a God. That made more sense to him, made more logical sense to him. Makes more logical sense to me as well. So God is goodness and love and every good thing comes from God. If if Tom is right and if I am right, God is like on the continuum of good and evil. God is on the, on the good. That's God, okay? And Satan is evil. All right. So if God is the creator of everything good, are God and Satan compatible? No. Paul says that. Things of God have nothing to do with Satan. So doesn't it stand a reason? Just You don't have to be a theologian here. Just, just follow my logic. If God is good and Satan is evil, when the world ends and when what, how much input would God have on hell? Would there be any part of hell that God would create for hell or give to hell or would there be any presence of God in hell? No. No, that shouldn't be a hard thing to understand. So if there's nothing of God in hell, is it just a place where there's like this super hot fire and, you know, you've stood next to a fire that's hot and it's uncomfortable. But doesn't it stand to reason if there's nothing of God in hell that everything good on earth that God has given the earth that he has put into our lives that that element of good would also be absent from hell I think that makes perfect sense so do not mislead yourself when thinking about hell that you'll sit around complaining with someone or helping someone deal with the pain or the torment of because here's the truth that I firmly believe about hell if it has no attachment to or part of anything of god then it also has no presence the very definition the very best definition i can give you of hell is the complete and total absence of God. Now, a lot of people wouldn't be moved by that. They go, ah, so what? I I live my life without any attachment to God. 
I no pay no attention to God. So what? Absence of God. Well, the absence of God also means the absence of all the things that you, as someone who ignores God, is experiencing in this life in a residual way because you were around people God is blessing with, take a pick, sunshine, friendship, comfort, goodness, gentleness, prosperity, whatever. You are experiencing it, even though you haven't bought in, even though you think it's bunk, even though you want no part of it. You're basking in this residual bleed over of God's goodness because God is amazing in what he lavishes on his children. And so if you're living in the world and you're surrounded by people of God and he's giving these good things to earth for his children to enjoy fellowship with him, whether it's love or peace or joy, or whatever it is, God has given that to his children, and you're not one of his children, but you still get to experience parts of it, right? You say, how am I experiencing it? My life sucks. Okay, well, even a serial killer has someone who loves him, right? Even the worst person in the world can go outside on a sunny day look at a sunset, lay on a beach, look at the Rocky Mountains, snow-covered. There's a verse in the Bible that says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and they do. If you are inclined to understand where things came from, remember, pure chance or divine design. I believe in divine design. So does Tom Ryan, so does Spiels, so do many other people. Herbie, many, many, many other people. You're benefiting from divine design from all the things that God blesses his children with. You're benefiting. But if you end up in hell, and I certainly hope you do not, because all you have to do is say, wow, Jesus, thanks. Free gift of salvation. All I have to do is believe that you paid the cost for my sin, and and I'm acceptable in God's sight. Like, I can take your perfection onto my crappy, lousy self. Yes, Bruce Cade. Bruce took Jesus' perfection onto his crappy, lousy self. And that's the only way Bruce is acceptable to God. So think about hell in terms of it's the complete and total absence of God. And the complete and total absence of God means the complete and total absence of all things of God, which you are benefiting from and enjoying, which make your life good to whatever extent it is good. So people in hell will be the loneliest they've ever been the most tormented they've ever been, the most in pain they've ever been, the most depressed they've ever been, the most desperate they've ever been, the most terrified they've ever been. Think of every single thing on earth that is awful. How did it get here? Satan brought it here. Sin brought it here. Hell will be full of sinners who earned their way there. All the things that are of the sinful world, that are of brokenness, will be, will form the totality of eternity in hell. And you do not want that, and I do not want that for you. 
And so, you know, the crew and FC Cincinnati have a rivalry. What do they call it? Hell is real. That's what they call it. Hell is real. I don't quite know like where that came from or why they put that label on it. But when you hear that, hell is real, it is. It is. And you don't want to be there. And the way to avoid it is really, really, really simple. Let's pray the prayer. Lord, I'm I messed up a lot in my life. I prayed this prayer. I still mess up in my life. But the great thing about Jesus, he forgives endlessly. He just wants you to put your trust in what he did on that cross. The book of John chapter 6, I think it's verse 32. Somebody says, "What's the work of what's the work of God? What does he want me to do?" Jesus says, "What he wants you to do is believe on the son that he sent. Believe." Not a cognitive belief, not a, yeah, I know Jesus lived, okay, I'm good. No, a heart belief. I know, Jesus, you were the Son of God, the Savior of the world. You hung on the cross to pay the debt for my sins, and I'm I'm co-opting that. That's my credential. That's all. That's my only credential. As Paul says, everything else we do is filthy rags. So that's my message for you today. Enjoy your Monday. Talk to you again on Wednesday here on the We Tackle Life podcast.